Hey, and welcome to the Kid Therapist Podcast. This is Allie. And this is Lauren. We are two licensed mental health therapists practicing in Maryland who love helping kids and families to manage and overcome their mental health struggles. Our goal of this podcast is to educate, inspire, and provide some insight into what could be going on with your kids. Here we go. Lauren here and we are still coming at you during the COVID-19 pandemic and we have a very special guest Whitney Thompson who is a licensed counselor in Maryland and Colorado and a specialist in teenagers particularly teenage girls who has years of experience in counseling teenage girls and shares some really practical great tips on parenting a teenager and being a teenager, especially during COVID-19 with all the disruptions and changes and adjustments that teens are going through during this time. We have focused lots of our episodes on the younger population and we are so grateful for Whitney coming on and just giving some really valuable information um, about teens. So here we go. It is Lauren here, and I am thrilled to have another special guest with us today. Um, We have Whitney Thompson, who is an LCPC licensed counselor in the states of Maryland and Colorado. She is the owner of Anchor Counseling Centers, a private practice with multiple locations in Carroll County and Howard County, Maryland. While maintaining a small caseload, Whitney also speaks frequently on the topic of teenagers and parenting skills at private institutions and universities. Her focus in her career has been teenagers, mostly teenage girls, with whom she connects well with and can help them grow to their full potential. Whitney is honored to work with Allie and previously worked with me at Anchor Counseling Centers and said that we are both amazing counselors. Thank you for that shout out, Whitney. We love and appreciate you and are just honored to have you on our podcast. She's also one of our number one fans and has been such a huge supporter of Allie and I on this journey of creating a podcast and sharing our passion for spreading the word about mental health. So welcome, Whitney. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I was hoping that I'd be able to get on at some point and share some good information and continue to support you guys. So thank you both for having me. Well, our season would not be complete without having you as one of our special guests. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited for today. And we have some good things to talk about. Yeah. So you have a um, specialization in teens and it sounds like especially teenage girls and um, we really wanted to kind of tap into your knowledge of we talk we've talked a lot about um, the younger population and we want to make sure that we get to spend some time um, talking about and pressing into the needs of of teens so. Um, Absolutely. And the kids always turn into teens, so it's good to be prepared. So true. (laughs) And some earlier than others. Yes. Yes. 
So what are some of the concerns that you are seeing teens experiencing? And we are recording this um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, maybe talk a little bit to the unique things that are happening for teens during this pandemic, or maybe even things that were happening for teens before this even started. Absolutely. So we are seeing a lot of the same issues before and after and during this pandemic. Um, We see that the teenagers are having trouble connecting with each other, even though a lot of them are friends by proximity in school. They can see each other all the time. They still do communicate a lot on their phones and they communicate um, via voice chat and also on um, FaceTime and things like that. So I think that the teenagers are dealing with this maybe a bit better than we thought they would because Mm -hmm. they already are using a lot of technology but at the same time they're not getting that connection and that um, those social skills that they would if they're actually seeing people face to face Um, so what we're seeing a lot of is teenagers aren't really doing as well with maintaining friendships right now um, and being very worried about their friends who may not have a good day. They're not able to see them and give them a hug or talk to them in person and kind of figure out what's going on. So um, the, the friendship piece and socializing is a huge challenge that the kids are having at this point. Yeah, I think that sometimes, you know, as we, as adults, you know, you get more and more removed from the age and stage of being a teenager and the developmental needs of them. I think initially I heard some adults possibly minimizing the impact of teens not seeing their friends every day because there are so many tech, like technology outlets and, um, but it's, it's so significant to teens to be separated from their friends right now. Absolutely. And, and kids really define themselves by their friends group at this age, at teen, at the teenage years. Um, you know, it's, what do you like to do? Well, my friends and I do X. Um, mm. And, you know, that's part of their identity is trying to become a good friend and learning how to be a good friend, but also really it's who they are mm-hmm. is really linked to these, these tight knit, social circles and a lot of people who maybe didn't move around a lot or have the opportunity to have um you know the same kids going through grade school elementary uh and middle school you know they still have these friends as adults that they made as teenagers because the connection is so strong Mm -hmm. yeah that these are really significant relationships for them i have heard of some teens that have found some really creative ways to remain connected to their friends like if they're getting sick of fe- just facetiming with their friends i've heard of some teens doing some netflix watch parties yeah. or um i even had a teen um share with me that they got involved in a book club with some other teens so i've definitely been inspired by some of the ways that teens have have found outlets to still connect with each other during this time and teens are resilient and creative and they're going to find ways. I mean, before it was sneaking out of the house to see their friends. Now it's finding different ways to see their friends if they can't see them in person. So they're definitely creative and resilient at this kind of time, but we really have to validate what they're feeling Mm -hmm. because, you know, even as adults, some days we're having good and bad days. Think about it while your brain is developing and your hormones are out of whack, adding all of that together with the pandemic and just not knowing what's going to happen is really scary 
teenagers do like structure and we don't have any structure right now. Yeah, that stress response to the uncertainty um, of, am I going to be able to go to prom next year? Am I going to um, be doing school online or going to school or what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm, that is felt on such a real level in everybody's nervous systems right now. Absolutely. And the other night I was talking to a couple of my girlfriends. I try to check in on them and um, normalize some of the things our kids are going through. I always tell them, you know, the best quality in, in our friendship is that I'm a child therapist and I can help with these sorts of things. Uh, but I was trying to put it into words what I think is going on with teenagers. This is just my own brainstorming. This has nothing to do um, with research or anything. Just trying to understand maybe why we're feeling the way we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that that fight, flight, or freeze Mm -hmm. is what we typically are experiencing when we are in some sort of danger. And the danger right now is, is pretty, it feels absent most of the time until you go to the grocery store, until you go to pump gas. Um, You're at home, you're typically, you know, eating the food that you make, you're watching Netflix. These teenagers are having this fight, flight, or freeze, but not having the physical danger that typically goes with it. So I was kind of thinking that it's like a small trickle of cortisol instead of that high peak, and then you recover from it. So right now, everybody just is kind of trickling out these stress hormones, and some days they're higher than others, depending on how much news you watch or if you know somebody who has been diagnosed with COVID-19. But this small trickle at, like, 45 days of this can be absolutely exhausting and debilitating for some of these teenagers. Yeah, I love that picture that you gave of the small trickle rather than, like, the gush that sometimes you get if you're in a dangerous yeah. situation, but but it's like somebody left like a leaking faucet on right now, and mm-hmm. it's just trickling out and and just leading yep. to exhaustion and outbursts and just that mm-hmm. traumatic stress response. Yep, and you know I've been trying to with the extra time, quote unquote, that we have. I've been trying to catch up and reread some of the the books that I recommend to parents. Um, and I just finished, um, for the second time, No Drama Discipline. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of reminded me that even you can use that with teenagers. And I know you guys have spoken about this book multiple times on the podcast. Yeah. Um, just to understand, like, what is this behavior telling us? Mm-hmm. Is my teenager actually mad at me? No. They're sad they can't see their friends. They might have failed a test. They're nervous for their AP test that's online. That might not go through. You know, there's so many things that are going on in these these teenagers minds and while their brain is still developing these connections are going to be different than a typical teenager who doesn't go through a pandemic mm-hmm. yeah and we have to support that as adults and remind them that it's okay what you're feeling and help them really def- kind of define what they're feeling and validate it even if it really seems dramatic to adults yes <laughs> because their worldview is really small Um, And it's not, no offense to any teenagers, even if they're cultured or well-traveled, but their worldview is tiny right now because they just haven't had the time to build it. Mm -hmm. And their worldview might be in the zip code 21784 where we live, and that is their world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going through the drive-thru at McDonald's with their friends on a weekend or going to Chipotle was the biggest part of their week and for us 
or like it's just Chipotle. It's not a big deal. So we have to be there for them and help them to learn from these experiences that they're having and and define really what they're feeling. Um, You know, I had a couple of days where I was just feeling very overwhelmed and anxious. There's lots of changes with telehealth and things like that as therapists. And once I really defined what I was feeling, like I am anxious and nervous and worried because I don't know, it made it so much better and so much more manageable. That power of validation, even to yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and validation is huge to teens. Yes, and they need, they just want to be heard. Most of the teenagers that I've seen over the years only want to be heard. They come Mm -hmm. in and they talk for 45 minutes to an hour, and some days I say nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I ask them, how was that session? Like, it was amazing. You looked at me the whole time. You weren't on your phone. You were just there and present, and that's what they want. Yeah, yeah. And... They always seem to want to speak. At times as adults, we usually consider pretty inappropriate, like 11 p.m., right when you get home from work, when you're making dinner, trying a new recipe. You know, we have to be able to to meet them where they are. And if a teen wants to talk, that is the time you talk to them. Yeah. And that shows that and models that good relationship and that validation and hearing them. That's all huge to help the teens at this time and also before and after COVID-19. Yeah. Do you have any encouragement for parents about how to like foster or set up those opportunities that those teens might be what that their teenager might be willing to talk to open up a little bit more? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think that any relationship needs check-ins. Um, it's appropriate to check in with your spouse at a time where nobody's upset, nobody's fighting, just, hey, how have I been doing as a wife? Is Mm -hmm. there anything I could do to be better? Um, And using that with teenagers as well. You know, having a teenager, um, one, have a time that they're able to open up, whether it's dinner time, you know, what's the thorn and rose of your day, those kinds of things. But just just letting them know that you're there for them. And you were a teenager once too, you know, appropriately sharing some of the experiences that you had to connect to them and lessons you learned um, can foster that, that really good relationship. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that if a teenager wants to talk, you got to listen. Yeah. Because there's times that they're ready to talk. They could have built themselves up for hours to come and talk to you. And you say, you know what, I'm busy. Can we do this later? And it's absolutely deflating. Mm -hmm. So I think just being there and asking them, like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, you look really happy today. You look, you're appearing to be really sad. You know, helping them identify that will Mm -hmm. allow them to want to speak to you more. Yeah. So availability and then also I think constant check-ins with teens is appropriate and not like, how are you feeling? Tell me about your, lay on my couch, tell me about your feelings, like very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, hey, I was just thinking about you. I know you've been in your room for a little while. What's going on? What are you, what are you up to? What's going on? Yeah. Um, I love that. casual with teenagers is more appropriate, I found. Yeah. Um, an age-appropriate conversation. Like, I remember the first time my mom cursed in a conversation appropriately and used it well. I mean, I was probably a teenager. Um, and I thought, oh, my gosh, she's like a human. She's real, right? Like, yep. That's pretty cool. So, you know, just allowing yourself to be you, but also maintaining yeah. that that parenting role. Of course, you don't want to be your child's friend. Right, right. But 
I love that idea of the check-ins. Um, I was just thinking too, I know sometimes teens will be a little bit more open if you're doing something side by side with them. Like if you're walking or if you're driving or maybe cooking something together in the kitchen, like those are maybe opportunities. I know we're all probably not driving in the car as much with a teen, um, but maybe we're outside walking more with them right now or um, having some more of those side by side opportunities. I love that idea of the check-in. Absolutely. And asking them to do stuff with you. Um, I remember I used to be so excited if my mom's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to run to the store. You want to come along? Like that that felt more like a friend than like mom being mom, you know? So, and that time was awesome to connect. You're like, I'm going to go for a walk. We're going to take, you know, the dog for a walk. Would you like to go? And you can't be angry if they don't want to, because sometimes they just don't want to. But giving them more opportunities to connect with you, I think is the most appropriate way to deal with it. And if they shut it down 10 times, but take that one, you need to be prepared to be present for that one. Yeah, the power of that invitation and not giving up on that invitation, even if they keep shooting you down. Absolutely. And, you know, setting those good boundaries, teenagers and and kids, period, need boundaries. And they need to know what they're going to get when they come to mom. You can't act one way one day and then the next day totally change it needs to be consistent which helps you to connect with them too yeah the thought of boundaries kind of brings up another concern that we've been hearing a lot about is teens being during this time of covid being really worried about the mental health of their friends feeling a lot of weight of the mental health you know i um, was reading some statistics about the rise of mental health concerns um, just for our population at large, and teens are really, really affected by this. Um, so the chance of your teen having a friend who is really struggling right now um, is pretty high. And teens are unsure of what to do or, or how to handle it if their friend is shares something concerning with them. So what do teens need to know about this, and, or how do they um, handle this? Well, I think the biggest thing is teens don't have boundaries because they don't know what they are, and they don't want to be mean. And one of the things I preach to all of my teens I work with is setting boundaries are not mean. It's mean to yourself if you don't set boundaries with others. Mm. Um, and I have just been reading um, the new Brene Brown book, and one of the things that she said that really stuck with me, and I'm going to start to try to use this as my personal mantra, is unclear is unkind. Mm, and it's so good. short and sweet and powerful. Um, so un- unclear is unkind, which means if you're not clear with what you want in a friend, what you expect out of friendships, then that's unkind to the person uh, that you're trying to develop this relationship with. So I, I always tell my teenagers, and I use this, they've, they've heard it a hundred times, and they're like, this again, like, we're going to talk about this again, um, is if, you're, if I don't like the color blue, and I'm only mean to you when you wear a blue shirt, but never tell you I don't like blue, how fair is that? Like, that's so dumb, Whitney. Mm-hmm. It is. But that's the same exact thing as you do with friends. If you don't like when a friend pokes fun at your... Um, your, the way you dress because they don't like what you're wearing, um, you have to tell them, like, I know you that you think you're being funny, but it really hurts my feelings. If they don't know, they don't know. So we have to teach teenagers what a boundary is, what yeah. an appropriate boundary is, and 
asking them if they are willing to withhold these boundaries, even if it hurts somebody's feelings. Yeah. And I think that's really difficult. Um, and kind of going back to, to my mom, one of the things that I used as a mantra growing up as a teenager um, was what I tell my mom about this. And my mom's pretty open, pretty, you know, she would she understood being a teenager, but she had very strong rules and boundaries. But that was something that I kept and was really helpful because I was able to decide if these choices would be good, if doing this with a friend would be good. Would I tell my mom that I made fun of this friend at school? No, because that's embarrassing. So it's just a good way to kind of keep that in the back of your mind of um, what a good boundary could be is what I – if somebody's breaking this boundary right now and I let them, would it be something I'm okay with telling my mom about? Yeah, that so, create accountability check for yourself. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then as I got older, one of the questions that I've always used in my relationship with my husband is, would I tell my husband about this? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's a level of embarrassment if I was mean to somebody or hurtful, I wouldn't want to tell him about that. So, you know, using that accountability and check-in is helpful. Yeah. The problem that we see with teens is that they use each other for accountability, but yeah. neither of them are accountable. <laughs> so Yeah, and they use each other control. to make decisions, and neither one of them, you know, have that prefrontal cortex part of their brain <laughs> exactly. that, you know, doesn't so, make impulsive decisions, and yeah. Exactly. So as an adult, you know, if you can help be there to help them understand the boundaries, and I always say to the teenagers why would you ask another teenager? Because yeah. you all are making impulsive decisions. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. so what do you think about this, Whitney? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, being that person for them to help them set the boundaries is really helpful. Yeah. Um, and the thing that we're seeing right now is that I think teenagers are worried to set some boundaries with friends, like you were saying, because their mental health is really fragile. Yeah. And that is a huge and I don't want to say burden in a negative way, but it's a huge burden to take on as a teenager, somebody else's mental health. Mm-hmm. And we see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are just overwhelmed with each other's feelings. So um, the best way for teens to help friends and be a good friend is to be there to listen, give them that, that place to listen, validate their feelings, remind them that somebody cares, and then really know when to ask help from an adult because it's okay if your friend's sad and they want to tell you about it and don't tell my mom I'm really sad but once we start seeing any sort of indication of self-harm or risky behavior suicidal ideation restrictive eating any cutting things Mm -hmm. like that um that's really a time that we have to to speak to an adult um as a as a teenager and it could be the therapist and the therapist can can speak to the parent um and let them know what's going on but you know it's better for you to make a friend angry than to lose somebody with intentional self-harm yeah Yeah. i'd rather really really tick somebody off and make them not talk to me for a little while or angry at me than to lose them yeah definitely and this is but this is coming from an adult brain, like you said. <laughs> it's a different kind of brain, right? Yeah. Um, so I think just letting the kids know that it's okay how they feel mm-hmm. and that if you tell me these things, I'm going to have to 
like we do as therapists, you know, with an informed consent. If you mm-hmm. tell me that you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else, we have to break that confidentiality, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good boundary. And unclear is unkind. Again, if you're not clear about that, you go tell your mom, then they call the other mom. It can just turn into a whirlwind of emotions instead mm-hmm. of actually helping somebody. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe one thing that would be helpful for parents right now is to check in with their teens about this, you know, kind of review some of this. Um, Hey, if you have a friend that is expressing self-harm or expressing feelings of hopelessness or talking about suicide, you know, what would you do? Um, You know, talking to your teen about listening to their response um, and having those hard conversations with them. So I think a lot of teens just don't know what they literally, we assume that they know what to do, but they don't know what to do when their friend says something, um, that scares them or their friend is really struggling. And, you know, I found that as a therapist, we talk about this all the time. Um, I was having a conversation with my husband the other day. We were walking the dog, just talking about, um, if we thought maybe suicide risk or ideation would go up during COVID-19 and mm. in adults or children. And we walked by a couple of people who heard us casually speaking of suicide and looked like we were nuts. Mm. And I forget that we talk about this all the time, yeah. that it's not so taboo for us as mm. therapists or, or spouses of therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people don't have conversations about this. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest deterrents of suicide is talking about it. Yeah. Or self-harm. Yeah. So it's very important in that check-in that you do with your kid to say, you know, I've, I've seen maybe an article that more people are thinking of self-harm. Have you ever thought of that? Or do you have friends mm-hmm. that have thought about that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good to have that conversation with them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think – Parents are fearful to have those conversations because they wonder if they're going to be putting ideas in their teen's head. Or, um, but the research shows that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. that is the complete opposite. And when, um, what was the the Netflix show about suicide? Um. Oh, 10, 13 reasons why. Yes. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I had a bunch of parents calling me during that time saying, my kid wants to watch this. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm afraid they're going to copycat. And there is that risk of copycat. We do Mm -hmm. see that with suicidal ideation and even self-harm, but I really tried to help them understand and even wrote up a document of how parents could talk to the kids during this and use that as, uh, a catalyst to open that conversation up mm. and more kids felt way more comfortable with a safety plan of telling their parents if they are feeling that way after having that conversation about 13 reasons why, or, mm. uh, you know, about suicide, like maybe they understand it now or they get me more. Mm. Um, if you talk about it and mm. it's taboo because we don't want people to do it but I think it kind of goes back to I'd rather make a friend angry than Mm -hmm. lose them to intentional self-harm I'd rather have a really difficult conversation with a teen that can then prevent something in the future which is more of that proactive parenting versus reactive parenting maybe if it's okay with you we could share that document on our I I may have to really important and yeah. and 
self-harm is something that many, many kids think about. Mm-hmm. And it just is an impulse, and it goes out of their head, and some really ruminate and think for a long time on it. So we don't even know. Most people don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So the more we talk about it, the easier it gets. Yeah, and I was just thinking about how, as a parent, if you avoid those hard topics, they're going to be talking about them with their friends. So you're either going to just have the voices of their friends um, and you may be missing an opportunity for them to hear your voice about it as well. And for you to be somebody that's safe um, that they can come to as well. Mm -hmm. And I also think one of the things we forget as adults or anybody who has a relationship with a teenager, our words are really powerful. Yes. And, you know, if you say I'm too busy, you know, we'll talk later, that kind of shows a teenager that they're not on your priority list. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of words can be really strong and really hurtful for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just have to remember we're always modeling, which is a lot of, a lot of pressure and a lot of work as an adult, but we're also, they look up, the teenagers look, look up to adults, especially their parents. And even if they don't act like it all the time, they really are looking for validation from their parents. Mm -hmm. So, they might not admit that until they're about 25. <laughs> yep, I, yep, I think it was after I got married that I was like, oh, wow, yep, my mom and I had that conversation. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm, I'm, if we decide to have children, you know, I think that conversation will come as a parenting yeah. uh, skills, right? So, yeah. you know, it's the same kind of idea. But um, we are really important in teenagers' lives. And yeah. us being open and honest uh, age appropriately honest, depending on who's asking questions. That is, mm-hmm. that is gold yeah. for you and a teenager's relationship. You've shared such good information. If there is a parent that's listening to this that wants some more tools um, to cultivate that relationship with their teen, do you have any? Do you have a favorite book um, that you recommend to parents about parenting a teenager? So I I keep going back to No Drama Discipline, Mm -hmm. even though it's for children. I think it really kind of cements in that the relationship is what's the most important. Um, And I, you know, I don't really have very many um, tools and tips and tricks for parents that I would, I have written down per se, or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a book that is a go-to, but definitely the No Drama Discipline would be one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... You know, like you said, we, we get kind of far away from where we were as a teenager mm. once we're in adulthood for a little while. And really taking some time to reflect back of, you know, we weren't perfect teenagers. I'm assuming everybody has some sort of <laughs> outburst or impulsive behavior, right? Maybe there's a perfect teenager out there, <laughs> but I don't think so. Um, so, you know, really doing some, some reflection. And one of the things that I absolutely love is counseling the parents. Um, even if I don't see the teenagers on how to connect with the teenager. Um, and that's one of my kind of specialties, I guess would be connecting the parents and the teenagers again. And sometimes they only need one or two sessions to really learn these skills that, that seem kind of no brainers, but forget during the time when people are stressed and, you know, life is, life is busy, right? So, um, and I'm happy to offer, I do online, uh, therapy as well. And that is like my bread and butter, like speaking to a parent a couple of times, it really can help cultivate some of those, those good skills, 
um, that they can connect to their teenager with. So, yeah, I know you are also really an expert in the world of telehealth and offer that platform. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll make your, your information available. Um, Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. And I yeah, think you've, so you've really reminded us and brought us back to that significance of connection for teenagers, whether it's with their friends or a parent, but just how significant feeling heard, validated, seen is to a teenager. Absolutely. And as long as we can um, fill their emotional piggy bank with the love and the validation and the things that um, we, that they like to do, um, if we do have to make a withdrawal, if we are too busy to speak to them one time, we're not withdrawing and overdrawing their emotional bank account. We're keeping it full. Mm. Um, so withdrawals are okay as long as you're not withdrawing all of it or you, it, the bank account will close. So, so good. we need to make sure we're always putting that um, money in that teenager's emotional bank account. Oh, such, such good information and wisdom that you're sharing with us today. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I can share. I love, yeah. love, love to share these sort of things. Yeah. Um, and I've never done a podcast, um, which I'm super excited to listen to and, and to share with um, some of my friends. Cause I think sometimes when they hang out with me for a happy hour, they don't want to hear about child therapy. So now I can <laughs> send this to them. <laughs> well, thank so. you for being our number one fan and for sharing all that you have learned about teenage girls and all your years of counseling and for just being such a great resource on our podcast today. Thank you. And I'm so honored to be here and I can't wait to listen to future podcasts. We're very excited. Awesome. Thanks, Whitney. All right. Thanks, Lauren.